This is Ready to Rage. Are you ready? Hello. Hi. This is the Ready to Rage podcast. I'm Sandy Scanlon. And I'm Ashley McCoy. And we're your fashion, culture, and feelings podcast. Lots of feelings. I have a lot of feelings today. (laughs) More than usual, which is saying something. Oh, yes. And this is our third time recording our intro. So hello. (laughs) This is our thing. Every time we start recording, we fuck it up and we start over. And then, Or someone comes in to try to talk to us. Our, both of our boyfriends just talked to us at the same exact time. Both interrupted. So rude. <laughs> I told Austin that we were recording and he comes storming down, like strutting, actually strutting. So confident. And I'm like, hello. Well, so we're recording in my living room today. Normally we record on the second floor in a private room, but my roommates aren't home. So I we thought have the coast was clear. I'm like, oh, great. We can sit on the couch like normal people instead of the floor. <laughs> And then what does he do? He struts downstairs. I got an Amazon package. (laughs) Oh, tell the people why you're so full of emotions today. I'm so emotional. So I quit my job today, which is also our job. It is our job. I'm still there for the time being. I'm sad, but I got really emotional because, you know, it just came to the time when you're in a job and you're not really learning much more. And... It was just the right time to quit because I'm starting school in the fall and the schedule has been kind of demanding, but I felt so emotional because and I started crying when I quit and I felt like it like, so embarrassing, but I was like, I was thinking about the whole last year and when I started this job, it's crazy. I didn't know you. I didn't know our friend Alessandra and I had just come off a bartending job and before the bartending job, I did all this corporate bullshit and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I felt like a loser. And this job just fell into my lap. Like I didn't even apply. And it just, so I'm like, and then it put me on the trajectory to go to fashion school. So I just got emotional because I'm like, this job changed something for me. It was meant to be and the chapter's closing, but my life wouldn't be what it is without it. It's just so weird. I told this to you the other day, but I truly believe that this was like the universe pushing things along because I saw the job posting instantly after I had written it down, like as a manifestation, like right after I finished college, I was like not even a month out. And I was like, I need to find a job. And I put down these specific things about it that I want. And this job is exactly what I asked for. It's so weird. I did not specify enough, <laughs> but it is. That's a learning experience. Yeah. Next time you manifest, you'll be very specific about whether it's like your schedule or what exactly yeah. you want to be working on during the day. Yeah. But I was like, that's so crazy that like I met one of my like newest best friends through this job. I got to work with one of my, oh my old God, best bestie. friends, Alessandra. <laughs> Besties. Um, like I just, it's so crazy. It really influenced so much of my life within we've only been there together for about a year yeah so it's literally so a year, exactly it's, about. almost exactly a year so weird it's just weird how much your life can change so fast because i felt like i was personally struggling in all my early 20s it was a struggle and everything was so hard and i feel like since i got this job i was like oh i know exactly who i am and where i'm going and it's just yes so i got really emotional and i think our boss was like, what the fuck? Because I, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is my last day and this is what I'm doing. And I really wanted to make a point to thank her and show up with gratitude and like explain that it changed my life. Um, and I just found myself getting emotional. So it's okay. It was genuine. It's like a release. I feel like that I've been feeling that yeah. more too. Just like, do you ever get to the end of the week and you're just like, I don't like it's feel Friday, sad. I'm gonna cry. Literally, almost every week now or every weekend. I'm just like, I have this like feeling that I'm like, I just feel like I need to cry. Not because I'm sad for any particular reason. I just need some form of release. And that's my easiest way to do it. No, that's how I felt. It wasn't like, oh, I'm sad. I felt like so much emotion was just releasing. And there were some negative things too that just like I let go in that moment. And I feel like when people are, oh, I'm trying not to cry. And especially men, right? Like Men try not to cry all the time. And I'm like, you're actually just letting things go. And once you cry, you feel so much better. Yeah, just cry. It's like just let it out. Yeah. You feel a lot better. But yeah. How are you feeling today? I am great. I woke up early. I got myself a new little um, 
under desk treadmill. So I spent <laughs> my morning just like revising my notes for the show Ooh. and walking on my treadmill at the same time. I took a long ride with Ian. It was great. One of the best days I've had in a while. And it's also beautiful outside today. Finally, yeah. It is such a nice day. The first time literally all summer. It is July right now. This is the first time it's not absolutely disgusting outside. So mm-hmm. we really enjoyed outside. I sat outside with my boyfriend's dog. His name is Oscar. Oscar. Oh, the, a fat boy. He's so he's a um a basset hound. And he looks like a Oscar Meyer Wiener, which is his name. Full name, Oscar Meyer Wiener Richardson. Ooh, I should not say his last name. I don't know. I'll look at that out. Um, you know what you should do? You should do like the bleep. <laughs> Keep it oh all. God, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Be like bleep. <laughs> yeah. So I sat with Mr. Oscar and we just had a wonderful time. So feeling good. Good. Yeah. I, I'm glad you had the day off too. I'm so like, I'm never going back to working five days ever again. Oh. This job has also helped me figure out what I really want to do with my life as well. Mm-hmm. And it is to continue my own business and have my own store. And if anybody knows where I can find a studio that has relatively cheap rent in the Boston area, please call me. Please. I think I just need a space to work in and it's a couple of employees. So I'll keep you guys posted. (laughs) I mean, Boston rent is so out of control and I don't really know. Not that much. It's like living in New York. It's almost exactly like living in New York, maybe a few hundred dollars cheaper, but it's also, it's just crazy. Like Chicago is not like that. Pretty much any major city. You can live in LA for cheaper. Um, it's just more only, land in like, you know, it's yeah. more land in, in California. So like you can, you can <laughs> slap <still>, that by, <laughs> you can still like get, it's still be expensive, but the at least you get a bigger place to live places in. places that are more expensive. And I'm not kidding. Everybody can look this up. It's, uh, San Francisco, New York. That's it. Oh, yeah. We're in like the third most expensive place. And it just like, I feel like for it to be so expensive, the places are so bad. Like, everything in Boston, if you didn't know, is ancient. It is rickety and, but like, nobody like will change it. People though. love that. <laughs> nobody will change it. Nobody wants – because, like, oh, my God, it's historic. Ma'am, it's falling apart is what it is. <laughs> I There's mean, cobblestone everywhere. I thought about moving a lot, but I really like that. In the summer, aside from the summer, the summer's been shit. But most summers – It's really nice. We get a really picturesque, like, beachy – even if you're not on the Cape, honestly, all the beaches on Mass are really nice. Yeah. And then you in the winter, like, you can go up to all the mountains. You have all of New England really accessible. You can pop to New York really easily. Fall so, is the best here. Oh, so good. So it is a really convenient place. I just love the Northeast. Yeah, you can get anywhere pretty much quickly. And you get four seasons, which I love. I do think I want to move out of uh, Boston. I've got my eyes on Connecticut or Pennsylvania in yeah. the semi-near future. But, you know. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. I would love to have yeah. a giant. I want to live like after this pandemic, I'm kind of like, oh, I just want to live like out in the forest somewhere mm-hmm. and grow my own food because there will be another one. Mark my words. Um, but I will be prepared like with my bomb own shelter. I will have a bomb shelter and a vegetable garden on the ready. So if anything happens, I don't have to go to the grocery store and get infected. Well, if you're really thinking like doomsday shit, I feel like I should move to the middle of the country where the water's not going to rise. But I'm not. But there is no water. Period. There. Exactly. I think I could do. (laughs) Like they're not gonna send you guys water if there's a. I think I could do Colorado, um, because I don't. I mean, yeah, that obviously everywhere is gonna be affected by climate change. But I'm thinking, like, literally where we're sitting right now could be underwater in years. If you've seen some of those maps, maybe I'll put. I'll put a link to that or something. Uh, All of Boston, Florida, deleted. People are like, oh my God, Miami is going to be on All of Florida, deleted. Completely and utterly gone. Uh, Alabama will now be the coast. Florida. Like, literally, that makes sense. Logically, like the crazy people are going to be in Alabama. Right? (laughs) No offense, Alabama. Love you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Boston, Massachusetts, deleted. Pennsylvania will now be like oceanfront property. So... I will be living there. Well, oh my gosh, this is a perfect segue. Oh, yeah. Speaking of climate change, what are we talking about today? The environmental and social impacts of fast fashion. Ooh, wee. Oh okay. boy, a big, very happy, you know, really light topic. So, I just before we really dive in, 
I just want to say for the people out there, what is fast fashion? Generally, it's cheap, trendy clothing that goes from the runway to stores extremely fast. And fast fashion kind of inherently enforces the idea that you can't be an outfit repeater and that you constantly have to be on the cusp of everything and you always have to be wearing something new and if you repeat the same thing it's like a big faux pas but I actually saw a TikTok recently about somebody who allegedly I cannot confirm (laughs) somebody who allegedly worked for Anna Wintour I saw the same same one one. I love that it actually made me feel so good it was inspiring it was so in this TikTok The girl basically says, everybody at Vogue picks five amazing, phenomenal, mind-blowing seasonal outfits, and you repeat them every week. Like, you wear the same five outfits every week. And I thought, what a revolutionary idea, because if you really love your outfit and it's amazing and you know everyone's going to like it, why not rewear it all the time? And just, like, it makes your life so easy. You know what you're going to wear. You don't Mm -hmm. have to spend hours. I feel like there's always a stereotype that if you're someone into fashion, you spend like hours getting ready. You don't have to spend hours getting ready. If you know you have a good outfit, why not use that good outfit? And then obviously, depending on the occasion, you can change things about it. Yeah. But like mix and match. Yeah. Or change your hair or your makeup. But I saw that and I was like, this is amazing. And I will never feel bad again about repeating my outfits. I used to go out with my friends and then one of my friends one time, I will not be naming who she is because she's still my friend and I love her very dearly, but she said (laughs) this to me and it cut me very deep. So we were getting ready at her house for a party and she looks at me and goes, oh, I've seen that shirt before. And I was like, ew, get out of here, bitch. I was so (laughs) mad. I didn't say anything, but I was like, hello, ma'am. Um, yeah, you've seen it before. And it means I'm being creative and I don't want to spend like, I'm not going and buying a new outfit every time I want to go to a shitty house party. Like that is stupid. It's dark. It's dark and no one's going to even look at me. Everyone's drunk. No one can remember what I'm wearing. Who the fuck cares? No one cares. I was like, I just need something cute and I want to look skinny. And this is a very like flattering outfit. Let me live. Yeah. So the belief that repeating is bad creates a toxic cycle of overproduction and consumption. So it's made fashion one of the world's largest polluters. So it's just like, I, w- I don't know, I'd rather spend more money on, a f- on less items. And I've caught myself in the fast fashion cycle and I'm trying to oh, step yeah. out of it and do more of a time capsule wardrobe. But the- I was like, this is revolutionary. I mean, I could buy much nicer clothes if I just got a few outfits per season instead of buying odds and ends from fast fashion. How do you spot fast fashion there's tons of styles on the website. There's a really short turnaround time between runway to shelves, like I said. The biggest indicator, I think, is offshore manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And then cheap materials, which they're made to be – all these garments are made to be cheap and fall apart, but we'll get into that later. And then one more term before we really dive into things. I hadn't heard of this before, and I don't know if you have, but have you heard of greenwashing? Of course. I hadn't heard of it. So basically greenwashing is like the catfishing of sustainability because I was looking into Shein because obviously (laughs) obviously if we're talking about fast fashion, like we can't not talk about Shein. It's crazy. They have like a sustainability and ethics and social responsibility page. And they really they act like they're on top of their shit. If you didn't know how to really decipher their language, it's very tricky. I think it's SA8000 compliant. So there's a certification that basically says you're not using slave labor. And instead of saying they're certified, they say they're compliant. They have all of these loopholes to make them look like they're trying to be sustainable, but they're not. I did not know that they even. So they're greenwashing. Wow. And you have to be careful. Every single brand is basically greenwashing. So you really have to be diligent and do research. And you, unless you they don't say know. they're a sustainable brand, and even then, you have to like really press them. Like, uh, I feel like a couple of years ago, Everlane got in some trouble because they were like, "We're sustainable," and then they're like, "Okay, so where are your factories?" And they were like, "Um, you don't know. Where are the receipts? If you Show don't have me receipts, the receipts, it doesn't count." So, do you want to go? I, I'm talking about the environment. 
you're talking about social impact. So do you want to go first or second? I will go first. Woo, switch it up. Let's go. Ooh. Okay, yes. So I have the social impact of fast fashion. This is going to be sad. It is a very sad episode. I'm very sorry in advance. But it's necessary. I promise so. the next one will be much lighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we've all heard the term sweatshop to begin. But what is it really like to work in one? How bad can it be? The answer is pretty bad. Mm. Surprise, surprise. The concept of sweatshops first emerged in American history in the 19th century. As the United States began to industrialize, the term sweatshop was originally used to describe conditions in some parts of the clothing industry. It soon expanded to include a number of other industries where low-skilled workers uh, air quotes low because it's still pretty hard to right. do these things. Um, where low skilled workers were employed for very long hours and were paid very low wages while working in poor conditions. So there were very few regulations um, that dealt with these working conditions, hours, pay at the time. But as the time went on, more regulations were implemented. So you could not basically abuse people. So to do that, you got to go overseas. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. I know. I know. It's just, I feel like we've all heard that before and never really thought about how awful it is. But when you really stop and think about how they really were just saying, you can't abuse people here. Oh well, yeah, but it's fine it if you do it in else. India or China or Bangladesh, or really anywhere else where there's people who aren't white. Yes. Is what they're saying. And before I continue, there is a question that I've seen posed often, and it drives me honestly insane. It's, well, isn't it good that we're giving other people jobs? Oh my God. What do you think? I think that, I mean, I know there's actually a scholarly debate about whether there's when there's communities where let's say all these people are working in a factory and it's a starvation wage basically and people are like well at least they have a job but then there's a lot of people who are like well they'd be actually better off just like fending for themselves and finding something else figuring something out literally better off hunter and gathering than being at this shithole so yes and then first i want to say it's not anyone else's responsibility to make sure that they have jobs I think there's some weird savior complex going on there saying that, well, we help employ them. Well, I mean, I will get into we're abusing other people by getting these shitty clothes anyways. It's not very helpful to them. You're shortening their lifespans. They're generally having a low quality of life. And when we have these large industrialized um, companies go over there, and take up all the workers, it really squashes their own economy and they can't have their own businesses. A lot of fast fashion companies as well will dump their clothes over there and it will really squash their own economy, like their own small artisans and things. Mm-hmm. So like, answer, it's not our business to employ other people. Get off your high horse. And I love all the people that are like, oh, keep jobs in America. And it's like, well, stop buying shit from China. Exactly. Which I know it's virtually impossible to do that, but I'm just trying to make the point. Like, you could employ people here. You could. You and really put your money, could. literally put your money where your mouth is. Yes. But then that means because it's you so to, expensive, it's you actually have to pay people up. here living wage. Yeah. Now, nobody wants to do it because it's God just too God forbid much. you pay your workers a living wage. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So the thing about my research that I found was many of the workers are actually children. Oh. Yeah. And you'd think, oh, why, why would they do that? Here, we have laws against children working. Rightfully so. Why is it that we have all these children overseas, mostly in Bangladesh? They have little hands. They're very easy to come oh, by. I really and, feel like I'm going to cry. I'm trying to hold it in. Yeah. <sighs> so many of the workers involved in production for fast fashion companies are actually children. According to UNICEF, the ILO, International Labor Organization, Estimates that there is 170 million children engaged in Stop. child labor that That's are making 
way mm-hmm. more than I would have guessed. That are making textiles and garments to satisfy the demands of consumers in Europe and the U.S. and beyond. Uh, that's mind-blowing. And I imagine the chemicals that they're exposed to. I mean, I'm going to get in that, into that in mind, but what you're exposed to as a child impacts your health so much more than as an adult. So if you're exposed to cancer-causing agents as a child, like you're fucked. Like you don't have a hope. Yes, you are correct. And uh, I'm going to go into it more, but like this actually is a really big part of my um, my research too, especially because like I, part of my degree was in fibers. So I was handling like dyes and kind of learning about how to properly dye different fabrics. And let me tell you, when we were working on dyes, um, you are not able to just open a bottle of like powder dye, like jacquard acid dye. You could not open it in the room, you'd get in a lot of trouble for doing that because when it is in powder form, is it, it is a carcinogen. You should not breathe it in. When we have it, it's like you open it up and you're in like Dexter's laboratory and you put your <laughs> hands through this little like clear oh box and they have a vent on the top and you have a mask, preferably one with a respirator <gasps> and you have gloves on and you, you just do all of your like powder and scooping everything in this box to keep everybody safe because it is that toxic. You cannot do that if you want, but that is the proper way to handle those kinds of materials. So you're saying children are doing this in other countries without their materials, without the vent, without the respirators. They're actually not wearing like anything, bare skin. They're soaked. I have an article from the guardian says apart from heavy heavy metals like chromium, cadmium, lead, mercury, there's one that I cannot say. <laughs> chemicals. Story of my life. <laughs> like they're working in tanneries and things for like leather and all like dyeing, tons of stuff. Workers age eight and older are soaked to the skin, breathing in the fumes oh. for most of the day and eat and live in the surrounding areas throughout the year. Personal protected Protective equipment is not provided. Child workers clad in no more than loincloths and Wellington boots are exposed to chemicals, including formaldehyde, hydrogen, oh my God. hydrogen sulfide, and sulfuric acid. This breaks my heart. These kids are only working because like in their systems, whatever it is, they don't make enough money. Their parents, if they even have parents who are living, they are also working and they're working because they feel like they need to, to bring in money. It just makes me so sad that children anywhere, doesn't matter where, can't just like go to school and be children and have to grow up so fast. And for a lot of people listening, it's not like, you know, in American history, you hear about a lot about children saying, you know, oh, well, I had to help my family. In these foreign countries, a lot of times it's not, they're not contributing and helping their family. It's literally slave labor. Like say the parent owes a debt, they'll say this, whatever, whoever owns the factory, whoever owns the organization will be like, hey, give me your kid and they'll work it off. But what they do is they keep tacking on expenses. They'll be like, oh, your kid broke this. Here's another $10,000 I'm tacking on to your debt. So it's literally a cycle of slave labor. Oftentimes it's not like they're directly getting the money or giving it to their families. Yes. So they also have chronic skin and lung diseases. Um, Within six months of setting up clinics, 3,200 of the 5,000 eligible workers had come forward with at least one consultation. And among them, 468 of them, which is 14.6%, were diagnosed with suspected work-related diseases, and 30 had work-related injuries. So, and these are kids, guys. Like, children have, like, so I've heard otherwise, too, that they have little hands. They can do embroidery. And, like, we work in a field where we're doing a lot of hand work. And both of us have pretty bad. We both have carpal tunnel. I've had it for a long time (laughs) because I've been sewing since I was a child as well. But that was because I wanted to sew. That was for funsies. It was just for funsies. I just like to make my, I like to sew up my um, stuffed animals. (laughs) Oh, I call it surgery. Yeah. So this is like really serious and they're, it's shortening their lives. They live till about like 50 instead of like living till everyone else in like the developed world lives till like a hundred. Yeah. Literally in half. That's crazy. 
I they, it's, it's one thing that they're working because children shouldn't have to work, period. But it's another thing that they're being killed. And nobody seems to care. I found an article that includes the quote from Sophie Ova, who is the global campaign coordinator of Stop Child Labor. And she says there are many girls in countries like India and Bangladesh who are willing to work for very low prices and are easily brought into these industries under false promises earning decent wages. And child labor is a particular issue for the fashion industry because much of the supply chain requires low-skilled labor, and some tasks are even better suited for children than adults, such as cotton picking. Employers prefer to hire children because they have small fingers. Because they have small fingers. That, like, makes you want to shed a tear. So they won't damage the crop if their hands are so little. But just so anyone realizes, cotton, when you're picking it, it has like seeds in it. So you actually do get hurt when you pick cotton if you're not like aware of that. So Uh. these little kids are getting probably pretty injured doing this. Children are also seen as obedient workers who slip under the radar, making it easier to manage them, which just imagine the psychological damage that is doing to these kids. And also it leaves a lot of room for them to be exploited in other ways. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys can use your imagination. Um, So heavy. Ova says there is no supervision or social control over mechanisms, no unions that can help them to bargain for better working conditions. These are very, very low skilled workers without a voice. So they're very easy targets. Employers get away with it because these fashion supply chain is hugely complex and it's hard to pinpoint every single stage, which is something that I had heard in going through fashion school that mostly when it is the harvesting the actual crop, linen, Mm. cotton, all those things, the flax to make the linen, like you can't tell where it came from. So you can even be as sustainable as you want, but it is really hard. It can be mixed. It's the same thing with diamonds. Yes. Yeah. Like you like, can't tell what's a blood diamond and what's not. Yeah, because there's so many supply chains that they just get mixed at some points and they, you can't say. By the way, sorry, my neighbors decided um, it's All time to do like housework. They're doing like an interpretive dance where they open the door repeatedly. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> Gotta keep it light so you guys don't cry. I'm crying so, or I'm laughing so hard that I'm crying. Or I'm crying so hard that I'm laughing. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So I did hear about this when I was in school. And so I kind of knew, but it's just, it's really hard. It makes it feel like it's almost impossible to be fully sustainable. Um, even when you're buying like these little brands like Reformation and whatever, like you want to be as sustainable as possible, but it really is difficult to. Right, the cotton can be mixed. Yeah. At some point down the line and you wouldn't know. So I have next, when sweatshops fail. So I know where this is going. I feel like we've all heard at least a little bit about the Rana Plaza disaster in Sabar, Bangladesh. This Um, is the big one. This is the very big one. Um, So this is on the 24th of April, 2013. The collapse of Rana Plaza building in Dakarta, Dakota, sorry, Bangladesh, which housed five garment factories. It killed 1,132 people and injured more than 2,500. Oh my God. Only five months earlier, at least 112 workers lost their lives in another tragic accident in the Tazreen fashion factories outside of Takarta. So I'm going to go into both of those. Rana Plaza was a eight-story commercial building located in Dakota's outskirts Savar, which housed several shops and bank and garment factories. It is the painful symbol of a grave tragedy encountered by garment workers So this building was already in such disrepair. It was poorly made. It was 
fully overstaffed. Like too many people were in there. And for weeks before, workers had been saying there are cracks in the walls. <gasps> Do you see that there are things going on? And there was like no exit. Like, I think there was only one way in and one way out. Oh, so they were God. doomed from the start. No regulations, no anything, and nobody cared. All they wanted was to fill their quotas. So was the cause of the collapse because there are so many people crammed in and it just couldn't sustain like a thousand people? Oh. Yes, entirely. That's an, like, imagine a building collapsing because of the weight, because of people sewing. So many people were in there just trying to get by. It is so incredibly depressing that those in, and it was 2013. That's not a long time ago. No, not at all. And they were building things for like H&M, Gap, places that we always go to. Normal places, places that you don't think like, I feel like when you go to Gap, when you go to those kinds of places, you don't think that they're intense sweatshops. I feel like they're not places that people usually associate with those. I definitely think there's tiers and it depends on like the marketing and the quality and if they have a store or not. But like I said, like we talk about like Shein or like Romwe, like they're these really bad ones that everybody knows. And then there's like, oh, H&M and Zara. And those are like a little more highly regarded, even though we know they're fast fashion. But when it comes down to it, like they're all made at the same fucking place. Yes. So there were hovering stories of survival, of people who had no choice but to amputate their own limbs to be freed <gasps> under the own rubble. limbs. I listened to a few people talking about like being in it and they were just saying like screaming under the rubble like, hello, I'm still alive. Please come help me. I'm still here. And yeah, um, it's crazy. And the biggest kicker is that the garment workers were ordered to return to work the following day. Shut the fuck up. I'm not even joking. Where were they working? Where? So Outside? Not the entire In a field? Thing. I don't know where they went, but they did. I have, due to the management pressure on Wednesday, April 24th. Why didn't the managers die? If anybody deserved to die, those are the people that should have died. Are you fucking kidding me? (gasps) Oh my, I just like did not. That's all the other thing. Like, like, oh yeah, a thousand people died, but LOL, get back to work tomorrow. Like I still have to do my quota. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is so annoying. Nearly 2,600 workers were injured, many of them for the rest of their life. Um, Many of the survivors have been trapped under tons of rubble and machinery for hours or even days before they could be rescued. Sometimes only by amputating your limbs. Could you imagine like ripping your own arm off? And it's like for a job. I think I'd rather die. I would literally rather die. But it's also like I just died for my job. Like, are you kidding me? And, yeah. And then I have the next one that happened relatively um, close to the the Rana Plaza, which was um, a year before. Okay, so there you go. Because I was like, oh, is this, like, back-to-back? Like, it's, like, a day later, like, move into this building. (laughs) The next one collapses. It's not funny. I'm laughing because I'm nervous. Just uncomfortable. So the next one I want to talk about is the Tazreen's fashioned garment factory that there was a fire that broke out on november 24th 2012 so a year before rana plaza because i feel like everyone's heard about rana plaza but when i was looking i didn't actually know anything about the tazreen fire so the only way out was through windows and upper floors while lower floors were while the lower windows were barred so that was a thing that happened with the Rana Plaza as well. There wasn't a way to oh get out. That's why so many people were injured. So these buildings don't have any regulations. Their whole point was just to pile as many people, as many workers into one place as possible. So same thing with this. There are no real exits. You know how we can always locate the fire exits yeah. here in America? Even if you have an apartment, you usually have to have a fire exit. Exactly. Everyone has a fire escape. Everything. Oh so. my god! If I need <laughs> if somebody slams the door one more time, I'm gonna flip out. I'm gonna Teresa Judice this fish. Flip the table. Over a hundred workers were injured by jumping out of windows <sighs> of the third and fourth floors, sustaining serious back and head injuries, which which have left many of them in constant pain. 
for the last three years, the families of those injured have been fighting for compensation for the loss of their loved ones or just the loss of their comfortable life. Now they can't live life like normal human beings and they don't have any income. They can't work anymore now. So then now they're also poorer than they were, which was also not good to begin with. I was going to say it probably wasn't a great life to begin with. Yeah. Now it just got that much worse. And it was them looking for a way out for some kind of opportunity, being lied to that this was safe and healthy. I'm sure they're lied to as well. Like, oh, you're going to get promoted. Or like they pick out of a thousand people, oh, this person got promoted and they're making more money. Maybe you will. And it's probably. Yeah. So the Tazreen factory produced for US giants like Walmart and this Spanish department store called El Corte Inglés. The German discount retailer KIK, C&A, and Sean John's ENYC. How do you say that in the notes? ENYC. I don't know. I'm having a lapse. Sorry. I'm going to say Sean John. I'm going to say it's P. Diddy. You know what? P. Diddy. (laughs) Or whatever his new name is. And other linked brands include Edinburgh, Woolen Mill, which is UK brand, Carl Riker, German brand, and Piazza Italy, uh, or Italia, which is an Italian brand, Teddy Smith, French, and the US brands Disney, Sears, Dickies, and Delta mm. Apparel. So this hurts my heart just as much as um, Rana Plaza because I feel like it's one that's not talked about as often. I feel like we all, like when if you keep up with fashion even a little bit, you've heard about Ron Plaza and how terrible it was. But it is, it is important to remember that these things are not singular. They're not things that right. happen on occasion. Ooh, bad things happen. No, no, no. This is the norm. It is expected at this point yeah. for just awful things happening in these garment factories, not to mention a lot of times there is crazy sexual harassment, just general like unsafe working conditions, and being unable to actually progress your life or even make any real working wages. A lot of times people say like, well, they're making money. They're not making enough money to actually sustain any real life. No. Monthly, they make like maybe 60 US dollars. And even for anyone out there who's like, well, maybe in their... No, there's no way. There's no way. I hate when people say, oh my God, like, well, maybe they're making enough. Like in their money, it's worth it. No, no, it's not that much money. Regardless of where you are, it's not that much. So conclusion, for me at least, nobody wants to see your Shein hauls. Nobody wants to see your Shein hauls. And again, like, we're not here to shame you for buying fast fashion because we, like, I bought it so many times. Yes. And it's very hard to not buy it in the society that we live in unless you're solely thrifting, which, like, thrifting, right, takes time, which is a resource. And if you're buying only from sustainable brands, like, that's a great start. But like we said... The materials can get mixed. It's not completely sustainable. And then a lot of those times, those more sustainable brands are a lot more expensive. So there's like a class component where, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, if you are well off, you can buy from those sustainable brands. But if you're really struggling and, you know, you go to Target or Forever 21, you're going to want to buy the $10 shirt. And this consumer should not feel guilty about that because it's that's not the consumer's fault. The corporations are the ones buying from these factories. Yes. And there needs to be regulations in these countries. Like, I feel, I don't know, it's so complex. And, like, we could really use an expert on this topic. But I said to you before we were recording, I'm like, why the fuck doesn't the UN step in? Like, th- it's crazy that yeah, it, you know, it happens. I just can't. Oh, it's another country and we're turning a blind eye is really the bottom line. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. But you know what else it is? These people suffering for – it's they're suffering for everyone else. It really serves almost everybody because yeah. everyone, even if you're buying from high-end places, they still probably outsource their work. Yeah. So even people wearing the clothes that you went, everyone wears clothes. They're probably wearing their stuff. And if it's not the people who work directly for the U.N., it's their children, it's their cousins, it's their friends, 
everybody wears these clothes. Everybody. So everyone in some way is contributing to them. And sometimes it's because you have to, and we're not knocking you if you have to. We have to. We're not rich. Yeah, no, like, I have yet. We're not rich yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. No, but I think it's also, it's about your level of consumption, which yes. I'm going to get into the environmental aspect soon. But one of the things I really found in my research was like, the problem is really the people doing hauls. Yes. It's not people buying one or two things. And if you buy something and you keep it for a really long time, like there are certain brands that they are fast fashion, but I've had things for 10 years. And that's way different than wearing something for a season and throwing it into a landfill. Yeah. So it's like if you're doing a haul to put it on Instagram, you're like, oh my God, look at the clothes that I got. Like that's where the problem really lies. Yes. So – The last thing I want to say about the social impact is there is no way to actually have these fast clothes without hurting someone. If you think about it as a cost, the reason why your things, when you buy from Shein, Forever 21, Fashion Nova, all these places, why they're so cheap is because someone else is paying that cost and they're paying it with their life. So if you think about it with that in mind, you don't have to be a downer about ever needing something because I feel like everyone who's interested in sustainability and fashion has all gone through that phase. Mm -hmm. You don't have to never shop from there again. It's impossible. It's really hard. But if you need underwear, like you can't buy that secondhand. But it is important to remember when you just want to splurge on a bunch of stuff you know you don't need. Remember that there is some little girl out there who's trying uh, to support her family and might have lost a parent in the Rana Plaza or some other like fa- factory um, atrocity. Yeah. And she probably isn't having a really good time. And you just don't want to contribute to that. No. If you can, don't do it. Just keep those things in mind. Be mindful whenever you buy things like this. Really buy things you need and you know you love and you're going to wear and don't just buy things to have things. Because it feels yes. like, like don't do it for that like hit of serotonin or dopamine or whatever. Like, oh, I bought some shit and I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not shaming anybody. I've done it so many times. I'm trying to not do it anymore. But I think another thing you can do too, and again, like textiles are problematic in themselves, but – I like going to fashion design school. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a lot more of my own clothes. And I know like the textiles aren't always sustainable as well. But if you can try to find sustainable textiles, like that's another avenue. Like if you make your own shit, yeah. it cuts out. a. It's not completely sustainable, but it cuts out a layer. At a least that layer. part of it. Yeah. yeah. At least the construction. At least you're doing the construction on your own. So there's different things you can do. Yeah. We'll get into it. Do you want to talk about the environment? Yes. I'm so depressed. I know. I'm so sorry. The first part. I think this is slightly less depressing, but like, I just feel really down. Is it really? Because I mean, I just talked about how we're like actively ruining people's lives and how you're going to probably get into how we're ruining the only place that we know of that we can live. Yep. Okay. So fast fashion is the second biggest polluter on the globe behind agriculture and oil. And websites said a few different things. Like some people would be like, oh, it's the first behind oil. And some people would be like, oh, it's the first behind agriculture. So I'm going to say it's third in line. That's, that's still very still bad. That's, re- that's still not, not like, good. oh my gosh, they're like 60th. Like that's a lot. Yep. The biggest impacts on resources in the environment are water pollution, water consumption, microfibers in oceans, chemicals, waste accumulation, greenhouse gases, soil degradation, and rainforest destruction. So I'm going to go through a few of those, not all of them, because we don't have all week. (laughs) Um, So first we're going to talk about water pollution. Fast fashion dries up water sources and pollutes rivers and streams. It accounts for 20% of waterways globally. Like not in a community, globally. So much. 20% of our water is wasted on fast fashion. And just like that is drinkable water. Uh Uh-huh. It totally is. 
Um, a lot of times that wastewater contains lead, mercury, and arsenic, so it's obviously bad for the aquatic life and the health of the millions of people living by those riverbanks or sea, the sea, whatever it is. Um, the contamination, you know, it reaches the sea and it eventually spreads around the globe. So even if you're not directly in that community, it will impact you at some point. There's just shit in the water because of fast fashion. And this is really sad. So 100 million people in India don't have access to drinking water. And 85% of their daily water needs for the entire population of India could be covered by the water used to go cotton in the country. That's okay. <laughs> That is like that so literally. So if they just didn't grow cotton, they could eighty-five percent of those hundred million people would be able to have drinking water. And just it's so sad because a lot of those people are working on these clothes, so they're watching the water that they could be drinking go to waste. Yeah, um, and cotton production is really huge suck of, for water resources. Mm-hmm. Organic cotton's a lot better, but I'll get into that later. Okay, and then we have greenhouse gas. So the apparel industry accounts for 10% of global carbon emissions. Um, The energy that's used during its production, like manufacturing and the transportation of all the garments, that's really what's contributing to the greenhouse gas. And the synthetic fibers are especially bad for the environment, especially when it comes to microplastics. So like polyester, acrylic, nylon, those are all used in the majority of of our clothes. They're made from fossil fuel, so that's making the production much more energy intensive. And then a lot of those clothes made with the synthetic fibers are produced in like China, Bangladesh, or India. And those countries are usually powered by coal, so that's like the dirtiest type of energy, right? That's Mm -hmm. producing a lot of carbon emissions. And then... With the issues with the soil, degraded soil will lead to a 30% decrease in food production over the next 20 to 50 years if nothing changes. And you know what? I feel like those statistics are always being thrown around. I feel like they've been thrown around since the 80s. And only recently have we heard like that number has gotten a lot shorter. Mm -hmm. Like instead of being like, oh, the next like six years, people are kind of like whatever. But now it's, like, very serious. Like, by the time that me and you decide that we want to have, like, children, Uh, like, there'll be nothing for them. There won't be any, like, fish in the ocean for them to eat. Nothing. Like, I don't understand how people are not – I'm scared. A bit scared. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm freaked out. I keep hearing these crazy statistics, but, like, by 2050, there will be, like, no eatable fish and no drinkable water. And just, like – I know that Jeffrey Bezos just shot himself into space, but, like, we can't do that. Okay, and also, it's insane to me that we're, like, let's just, like, go to another planet instead of just fixing the one we have. No, we can't send all of us to another planet. That's bullshit. It's literally impossible. No. And, like, we really have to start thinking about either or, right? Because we can have this fast fashion now when you can do your haul on Instagram and you can do Shein. Oh, my God, I'm so fashionable i'm so on top of the trends but we have to start thinking about sacrifices and okay you want to do that sheen haul or do you want to have soil for food and i know that people don't know yeah like most people just i didn't even really know until i did this research but we really have to start thinking in terms even with the water usage like do you want all that fast fashion or do you want to give that water to people who can drink it who will literally die if they don't have it we have to start treating resources as precious and stop using them for bullshit because it's not like you don't have clothes to wear we're just buying them because we want to be trendy at this point and it's all fake it's all fake it's literally fake like I guarantee, unless you are literally like a child, you have an entirely full closet. I bet you right now, at any given moment, your closet is bulging out with so much stuff that you have to put it in another place. You don't have all your clothes in one closet. It's me. It's literally me too. But like also all those clothes I've had for like my entire life. <laughs> me too. I hoard them. I hoard clothes. But like I keep all my stuff for years and years and years. Like I just don't get the idea of like, oh, I need to do a haul and like, by the way, I do personally believe that hauls are lazy content. And so many people do them. It's just so easy to be like, oh my God, look at this top I got in seven colors. It's that same off the shoulder top that everybody has. And I bought 16 of them. 
now look at my video and I'm gonna put AdSense on it. It's just lazy. It's not creative. Like I'd rather you do no video than a sheet. Nobody involved. wants to watch you just try on ten outfits. And like I've like tried, you know, I've like dabbled with it before because as a content creator, you try to find your own thing and you're like, well, everyone else is doing it. But as you do it, you're like, nobody really cares. It doesn't really make sense to buy everything from one place anyways. And it's not creative. It's not really thought-provoking. It's like, look at me, I'm a mannequin and I'm putting this on. It's a vehicle for capitalism, we'll say. Okay. So let's talk about waste. So I feel like everybody's seen, you know, the pictures of landfills just like filling up, but the and trash islands. Yeah, trash islands. And we talked about trend cycles, but because of the trend cycle, like I don't think people realize the majority of clothes are just ending up in the trash, especially from fast fashion. People oh, yes. usually throw them out after a season. A lot of times people don't even donate them. They just end up in a landfill. And when they're in a landfill, on average, with the synthetic materials, on average, it's about 200 years to decompose. So think about just a very long time. Okay, that's longer like, than our lifespan. That is seriously. I said that earlier. We can live till about a hundred years. That's that the is too peak. That that is a max. You don't want to live. You to. don't even want to live longer than that. Like let's you be real. Really don't. It's, so like, living is exhausting, and people are like I want to live forever, and I'm like no. You no, get to no, hundred, no. and you're like I'm tapping out. I'm done. You can take me out at ninety. Ninety is somebody like come a great... and snipe me. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Ninety is a past great that. age to die. <laughs> But, like, really, that is your entire lifespan and then your children's entire lifespan if you live the fullest extent of life. That is absolutely insane. Woo. So, yeah, I mean, most of the clothes that we're buying are just being disposed of. There's a massive textile waste. I mean, we wouldn't even have to make any more clothes mm. if these were just recycled because it's that insane. The volume of clothing Americans throw away each year has doubled in the last 20 years from 20, from, sorry, from 7 million to 14 million tons. So we're just throwing away more and more. Essentially, just all of our clothing is ending up in landfills. In New York City alone, more than 400 million pounds of clothes are wasted each year. 400 million pounds. That's almost halfway to a billion. A year. Like, where does it go? It's just, I don't understand why it even has to be that many things. Like, it, I feel like we've both been, like, just on this, like, spiritual thing. So we're both yeah. like, oh, my God, like, it doesn't even matter. It's not even real. It's, like, really, it's not even all that real. It really just, like, just to appease people who don't even care that much about what you're wearing anyways. So why ruin the planet just to appease people who don't give a shit about what you have on? It's just so frustrating because you don't have, like, but you can still have cute clothes and still be in style and still express yourself without killing the planet. It's the volume that we're consuming. It's like capitalism, like more, 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 and buying makes you feel good. And it's you're told it's what you're supposed to do. And if I just buy this one more shirt, like so and so is gonna like me, and blah blah blah. And there's a lot of emotional components that go into it yes. due to advertising. But it's so frustrating because it doesn't have to be this way. Like, we don't have to be buying so many clothes. We don't have to be disposing of them. If we all bought smarter and if we, frankly, if we all did, like, the time capsule thing, you can still be chic, you can still be trendy, and you don't have to kill the environment. Side note about the time capsule thing, because I wanted to say this earlier and I totally did. don't know why I didn't. The idea of having, like, five outfits per yeah. season makes me feel like I'm a character in a movie or like a game. <laughs> and, and I, I love way. that. Yeah. Like I can be my main character. And if you think about it, like it's like being a sim. Literally you like your sim. winter outfit and your summer outfit and your formal wear and your daily outfit. Literally I'm a sim and I have like a beautiful outfit and I look good all the time. And it's like it's like being a character. It's, outfit. Like, it's a game. And that's yeah. so fun. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Like, and you can change it. It's not forever. We're challenging you guys to do that. Make yourself five good-ass outfits. Uh, that is a challenge. Season. I would it, be like, it would take me weeks just to figure out. But, like, really, take as long as you need. But get yourself five good outfits for each season and repeat those bitches. And if anyone tells you that you are repeating your outfit or, oh, my God, I saw that again before – Listen, tell them that you're cultured and this is what they do when you work for Vogue. Okay? Yeah. I'm getting ready Vogue. 
This is Vogue fashion, peak Vogue fashion, and I'm going to work for Anna Wintour, and you bitches can stay doing whatever you feel like. Hi, Sabrina. My kitty just trotted in. But when I think of the 400 million pounds, I think of, okay, like, think of all the resources. Think of the sun in the soil growing the textiles, if they're, like, natural. Think of the slave labor that might have gone into them. Like, slave labor is horrible enough. But imagine, like, all of these resources and slave labor and or child labor went into this textile and then it's being thrown in the dump. Like, that is so fucked up. It feels like it's for what? All of this stuff, for what? It's ending up in the dump. It feels like it doesn't matter. Why did we even do that and in like, the first place? And, like, how did we even get here? I'm no, I know we can answer that with yes. a lot of research, but I don't want to <laughs> at this time. But that's crazy. Like, how did we get to this point? It's so disgusting. So then my last... Sorry, Sabrina's trying to bite my box again. Sabrina. Oh, she loves cardboard. Sorry. Sorry. Sabrina, stop biting. I wish she would meow, but she only meows when she wants to. One day we're going to get her to meow into the mic. Okay, so then another really big issue, obviously, is chemicals, which really freaks me out, the exposure to chemicals. It's because it's it's like a slow on death. <laughs> really, that's the other thing about all of these um, chemicals. Like, if they're hurting the people that are working on them, if they're not properly treated and because they're made fast that chemical is ending up on your skin so you can have reactions to it you really shouldn't have that just like i always said before you have the chemicals that you have gloves on it can't touch you it's not supposed to touch you and when you dye things the water is supposed to run clear just like how you dye your hair yeah if it doesn't run clear you still have that chemical on i've definitely worn clothes that i've run after i hell yeah it's so gross it's so bad and like you know like when your shein haul comes in the mail and it has that disgusting smell it's because you're bathing in formaldehyde. And also, you shouldn't be wearing those clothes without washing them. The catch-22 is if you wash them, you will most likely shrink them. So They will be ruined. Them. They will most definitely be ruined. The seams, I, that's, they're made so terribly that like if you wash they're them, They're made to fall apart because they want you to buy more. There's a name for it, and I'm like... Planned no. obsolescence. Oh, you're a genius. That's what it's called. Yes, and they do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. So... That was Sabrina. <laughs> Why is she so, like, active today? I hope she's not on the countertops. But if she is, she'll just have to fend for herself. Girl, if you fall out of the window, that is your fault. Find your way back inside. Okay. <laughs> so according to, I think it's Qantas International 2018, a report found that the three main drivers of the industry's global pollution impacts are dying and finishing. That's 36%. Yarn preparation, 28%, and fiber production, 15%. So those are all three main components of fashion and global pollution. So then we're going to talk about textiles. So polyester is the most common textile in fast fashion. It's derived from fossil fuels, and that's really bad for global warming. It also sheds the microfibers that add to the increasing levels of plastic in our oceans when we so every time you wash the clothes the plastics are coming out nylon and acrylic are also really bad over a third of all microplastics in the ocean come from synthetic textiles and just so if you guys don't realize it's very important to know about the microplastics in the ocean because you know who eats whatever moves fish you know what a lot of people eat fish you know what happens when you eat fish that eat microplastics there are microplastics in your body right now as we speak it's a very big deal and you should really get them out i know get them out how do you do that we don't know no one's ever had this problem before i don't know we're not professionals we don't know but somebody fix it like we're not professionals but we are but we're not a scientist thank you i'm not a scientist thank you although maybe i should have my dad on my dad's a chemist yeah, you would know my dad would love to be on the show and oh my gosh <laughs> we have to have him but the other really fucked up thing is that then those microplastics are really affecting fertility which makes me feel like not only is the world gonna catch on fire but we're gonna have the handmaid's tale bullshit i can not but honestly that's karma and that's the world like I always heard from a woo-woo spiritual standpoint, oh yeah, the earth will just 
heal itself. Kick us all off to the curb. And it's like. True. It is. We kill it. We put the plastics in. And all of a sudden we can't reproduce and we can't do it anymore. Like that feels like karma. This. Yeah. Like we just. We did it to ourselves. Um, you know. Do what Sucks. you can. So one of the other really bad textiles is cotton. So organic cotton is recommended. It's a lot better. But conventional cotton requires so much water and pesticides, especially in the developing countries. And again, we've talked about how the pesticides, people don't have the proper equipment to protect against them. So a lot of times they get cancer and they can't read the labels that are in English, like danger, danger. Like, please wear gloves. Or a hazmat suit. Um, so the water used in all the cotton results in drought risks and it creates extreme stress on water basins and even competition for resources between companies and local communities. Um, and yeah, uh, also fertilizers for cotton usually contaminate water supplies. So according to the World Resources Institute, it takes about 2,700 liters of water to make one cotton shirt. Which I also read is, for a regular human, 900 days of drinking water. I'm going to cry real tears. That is so much water. And there's... One... I'm, like, panicking hearing the number. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. All these numbers, I looked up and found them on multiple websites. It's not just, like, one offhand statistic. I found them from many places. But, yeah, so essentially one cotton shirt could supply a single human with water for about three years one shirt i'm so nervous you're laughing (laughs) you remind me of the meme with the dog with the coffee cup and the fire like Mm -hmm. everything around them is fire and they go like haha this is fine everything's fine yeah it's really it's so scary i actually can't digest it you know it's like it's like feeling like we were talking about space. It's so big and it's so it's scary. You just can't even comprehend. But it's like very important that we comprehend it because like within our lifetime, things are gonna get very bad. I fucked. There will be water wars. Oh, you're gonna love this one too. Oh no. Con production <sighs> alone, not fashion, cotton production is now responsible for 18% of worldwide pesticide use and 25% of total insecticide use. Just <laughs> cotton alone. I'm having a hard time breathing. Um, another really bad one is leather because leather requires large amounts of feed, land, water, and fossil fuels, obviously for the livestock alone. But actually what is really bad is the chemicals used to tan the leather. So that includes, the ones that the kids are using. Yep. So that includes mineral salts, formaldehyde, coal, tar, derivatives, and various oils and dyes. They're not biodegradable and they contaminate water sources. On a more positive note, more sustainable fabrics include wild silk, organic cotton, linen, hemp, and lyosol. Am I saying that right? Lyosol? Yeah. Lyosol. Mm-mm. I don't L- know what that is. L Y O C E L L. We don't even know what it is, ladies and gentlemen, it but it's sustainable. Um, so I really want to end on a light note. So let's talk about what we can do from an environmental standpoint. So you can choose clothes made in countries with stricter environmental regulations for factories, including like Europe, Canada, and the US. But honestly, from a social standpoint too, like choose things that are made in countries with better guidelines. You can choose organic fibers and natural fibers that don't require chemicals to be produced. You can buy less, buy better quality, mend your clothes, and recycle. You can choose sustainable brands and wash your new clothes before you're using them for the first time to combat chemicals personally. Yes. You can buy clothes made in countries powered by more renewable energy. You can focus on, like we said, the time capsule wardrobe. So things that you love that are going to last a really long time, you can mix and match. It's not about buying more. It's about getting your money's worth, basically. And if you really need that serotonin hit, you can also buy secondhand. Yeah, go on Uh, Poshmark. You can go on Poshmark, Mercari, Depop, ThreadUp. All these places are available to you. You literally can, like... Get in your 3 a.m. shopping habit, Just no problem, and it's probably cheaper. And you can pretty much get anything you want as long as if it's as much as it's brand new. Like 
if you like a cut of pants that like Loft or Free People does, you can find them on Poshmark. You can find them oh, in yeah. nice flare ass jean on free people on poshmark and if you're a luxury shopper i know you probably already do this but go on the real real or guilt. i always get ads for them and then in the comments it's like they're not actually cheaper blah, 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 blah. it's not cheaper but it is secondhand so if you would like to yeah. do a little good and you still want your designer you want your, you want your flex get, get it. it on the real real they really are so strict about what they do. So you're getting real things. And another really good resource. I believe we said this last time. I'm not positive. Um, the website good on you. They literally rate every single fashion brand on yes. sustainability. And so if you look up a brand you like, they'll, and they're not sustainable, they'll come up with alternatives and suggestions. And they also rate brands with no data as poor. Like we wouldn't recommend. Yes, because not not having any data it's usually means that they're hiding something. And I wanted to – I found a fun statistic I thought you would like. One in six people in the world work in the fashion-related job. Oh, wow. Look at us. We're one in six. We're two in six. <gasps> We're one-third. Oh, my goodness. We are the world. <laughs> yeah, so it's just so crazy because – you think of the fashion industry as so glamorous and exciting, and it is, and I'm happy to be a part of it, but you have to face these ugly realities, and you think about one in six, like, not that many people in America are in fashion, yeah, there's a bulk, but that one in six is really talking about the factory workers. Yes, all the people in India, China, Vietnam, Indonesia, all of those countries, that's where those one come from. I'm exhausted. I'm sad. Do you have anything else you want to add? Just like we always say, be mindful. It's always helpful to be mindful for your own wallet because when you buy these bad quality clothes, you are probably going to be rebuying them. So it's not even worth it in the long run. So you yeah. buy a crappy cami from Forever 21. It's going to have a hole in it pretty soon. Just buy a nice one. Yeah. That probably wasn't made with slave labor. Yeah. And if you can thrift something, again, if you're buying, like, for example, uh, American Apparel. Mm -hmm. They've had the same stuff for, like, ten, five years. Ever and ever. Yeah, I don't know the exact time. But, yeah. Like, if you want, like, the disco pants. Like, I just sold mine on Poshmark. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> if you want a disco pant, go on Poshmark because there's people selling it. Like, there's certain staples that you can just – somebody else will be selling it. You know? Plug your Poshmark. I, I don't even know the name of my Poshmark. <laughs> I think it's Sandra Scan or Sandra J Scan. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up. J. Yeah, my middle name is Jean. Oh, oh, I like that. That's a cute. It's name. It's Sandra Scan. Okay, shop Sandra Scan on Poshmark. I do have a few cute things. Yeah, I'm gonna put more stuff up, but but next week we will go late. Do you want to do fall trends or do you want to do America's Next Top Model? Oh my god, can we do America's Next Top Model? I just yeah. want to roast Tyra Banks for an hour. Ah, okay, we'll do ANTM and that will be a lot later. Very light. I mean, not really, but like it'll be funny at least. It won't be like the whole world's burning. It'll just be like the reason why you personally need to go to therapy. Which, yes. in, to my, in my mind, is later. I feel like every... Any, like, female-presenting, female-identifying person who is listening to this can attest <laughs> to America's Next Top Model ruining their perception of self for at least the time being, for, like, at least a year, two years, like, in your formative years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's oh. going to be a good time. <laughs> wild, wild. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Go do something nice. Go meditate. Go sit in the sun. Enjoy. Do something more positive. Do something very positive. To balance this out. Yeah. I feel like we talked about murder. We did basically talk about murder. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Love you all. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ready to Rage. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ready to Rage Podcast. Send us an email with your thoughts on the episode, anything you'd like us to include in the future at Ready to Rage Podcast at gmail.com. You can also donate on Patreon at Ready to Rage. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. Rage. <laughs>